shall we look to the Lord in prayer? Our gracious, loving Father, thank you for this evening time when we could gather together and look into thy word. Father, I pray that uh, you help me to speak from thy word with grace and humility. May it be a time of blessing for each one of us. We pray in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you all for coming. And welcome to the Sunday evening preaching service. This evening, we are going to look at the second prayer of Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians. I had the privilege of speaking from the, on the first prayer last month. And this prayer is seen at the last part of chapter 3. We will look at Verses 13 to 19. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 13 to 19. I will read those words, that passage. Please stand with me if you can for the reading of God's precious word. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf for they are your glory. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. May God bless the reading of his precious word. You may be seated. We see the prayer starting in verse 14, 14 to, to actually until verse 21. But there is a very important verse, that is verse 13. There it says, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf for they are your glory. If anybody had the right to be discouraged, to lose heart, 
it was apostle paul he had so many tribulations that he had to endure actually when he was writing this epistle he was in prison he is writing from there and telling his ephesians readers the gentiles that you should not lose heart don't be discouraged i just want to look at a few verses from second corinthians chapter 11 Second Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 24 we read Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes Three times I was beaten with rods once I was stoned Three times I was shipwrecked A night and day I have spent in the deep I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers dangers from robbers dangers from my countrymen dangers from the gentiles dangers in the city dangers in the wilderness dangers on the sea dangers among false brethren i have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst often without food in cold and exposure that's a long list then we read in verse 30 if i have to boast i will boast of what pertains to my weakness dear brothers and sisters this man had every right to tell his gentile readers to the ephesians not to lose heart he is suffering on their behalf that is on behalf of the gentile cause as their champion and he was willing to pay the price suffering was part of apostle paul's new vocation what was his new vocation we can see that in verse 7 of which talking about the gospel i was made a minister according to the gift of god's grace which was given to me according to the working of his power he received this new vocation from the lord if you look at his life before god jesus met him on the road to damascus and we look at his resume we will wonder how god could choose someone like that 
dear ones, that is God's grace. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, we read, For to you it has been granted, for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. This is the promise that believers are given in the New Testament. Not material prosperity. Not healing from every sickness. Not fame and name. It is suffering and persecution. And Apostle Paul, he was proud of it. He is telling his Gentile readers in Ephesus, you should not lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf. I am doing this on your behalf. This is part of my calling. This is part of my vocation. And I take pride in it. Suffer for his name's sake. Then we can see, starting with verse 14, Apostles' Prayer. When I was reading this passage, I also looked at chapter, chapters 4, 5, and 6. At the end of verse, by end of chapter 3, we see the end of the doctrinal section of this epistle. Then, the last three chapters, they are practical. We can see three main things there. I'm not going to look at it. That is the walk of a Christian. A Christian's relationships and his spiritual warfare. So he put so many things as in a capsule in these few verses and telling his these believers in Ephesus you look at it because when you go outside when you walk that walk when you are deal with relationships when you are in a spiritual battle you need it. Some people call this passage step by step what is needed or it is to being talked about our sanctification. But I can see our Christ likeness. Our growth in Christ likeness. That is what we need when we go out into the outside world. So he put this prayer at the right place and we have the great privilege 
to join Apostle Paul. In the Holy of Holies. In the throne, throne room of our Lord. And join him with his great prayer. In the first prayer, in chapter 1, we saw Paul's desire for the Ephesians that their eyes may be enlightened. And they may know what is the hope of their calling, and the riches of his inheritance in the saints, and the surpassing greatness of, the, of his power toward us who believe. believe. In other words, that prayer was for enlightenment. But this prayer is for enablement. This prayer will enable us when we go to the outside world, go to our homes, when we talk about relationships, then also when we have to face the spiritual battle. And I would say, these two prayers complement each other. It will compl- it, it complements each other. And now <coughs> I want to look at verses 14 and 15. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I'm not going to spend too much time on that. On those two verses. But it is for this reason. That's how we started the chapter. There also we read for this reason. What is the reason? What moved Paul to pray for his readers? I would say mainly the reconciling work of Christ. And bringing together of both Jews and Gentiles and forming the church which is the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. And we can see all those things in the previous verses and in chapter 1. He's saying, for this reason I bow my knees. I, won't, I will never say kneeling is the proper posture when you are praying. I had a grandfather when he was 85 years old. He used to get out of bed and get on his knees and pray for an hour. But if I try that, I will need help to get up. I have weak knees and weak back. It is up to you. The main thing is reverence and a heart of humility. That's what it means. When you are in the presence of God, Presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We are, you are in the Holy of Holies. What is important is reverence, reverential fear and humility. That's what it means. And it says, I bow my knees before the Father from every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Some people say, see, they can see the Fatherhood of all men. Universal. 
In fact, last year I was watching a so-called Christian program. Somebody came and told, he is the father of Christians, he is the father of Hindus, he is the father of Muslims. I heard it. I turned it up right away. That's not what it means. At least that's not the... Well, because of creation we can call him, in a sense. We read in chapter 1, verse 2, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. He is writing to the saints. He is our Father. Father of the redeemed ones. That's the way I see it. Then we read, Heaven and on earth derive its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. He would grant you, not from his riches, according to the riches of his, his glory. Dear ones, the resources that our Father has, it is limitless. It is limitless. There is no lack on God's part on what is available for his children. There is no lack. And he's telling, he, he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Not the outer man. He's the inner man. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16 we read. He talk about the inner man and the outer man. We read in the outer man he is wasting away each day, every day of our life. He is decaying every day. In fact, I could see a sample of that during the last few days. It is wasting away. But the inner man is renewed day by day. Dear ones, God is more concerned about the inner man, not about the outer man. And that, well, it is a good thing to take care of our body. It's a good thing. A little exercise is, well, it will do a little bit good. You can do that, I do that too. But the inner man, in the spiritual side, that is more important. <coughs> then here it says, to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in the inner man. Let me ask you something. Why in the inner man needs to be strengthened? I looked at a lot of books. I didn't see too many other mentioning that. Otherwise, Apostle Paul won't say that. In the inner man needs to be strengthened. And we cannot do it ourselves. Needs to be strengthened. It is through the work of the Holy Spirit. One re- I'll quickly mention three reasons. One is, a Christian comes to this world as a spiritual baby. He comes to this world as a spiritual baby. He needs the right food. We read in First Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, <coughs> like a newborn baby, long for the pure milk of the world, so that you may grow in respect to salvation. That is your word. That's how you are strengthened. That's how Holy Spirit strengthens you. 
That's one reason. What is the next reason you need to be strengthened? That is because we face a cunning adversary. We in our life as Christians face a cunning adversary. That is the Satan. <coughs> in First Peter chapter 5, 8 we read, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Dear ones, you need to be strengthened. You need to pray for strength. You have to spend time in God's word for strength. That's how we get strengthened. There is another reason that we need to be strengthened is that the task that God that has been entrusted to us is a great one that is far beyond our capability. He said, go and teach all nations. Preaching and teaching, living a Christian life in this wicked world, dear ones, it is not easy. Christian life is a supernatural life. For a supernatural life, we need supernatural resources. It is promised in this book. <coughs> all, the, all the resources we need. Then he says, the next one, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love says Christ may dwell in your heart. Let me make it clear. A believer don't need to invite Christ into his heart. He's already there. A believer doesn't need to invite Holy Spirit to come into your heart. He's already there. Then what does it mean when Paul says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith? That means Christ, he will feel at home in your home, in your heart. He will feel at home. When the Lord came to Abraham's place, tent, with two angels, he felt at home. But he did not go to, Lord did not go to Sodom. He did not feel at home. Send the angels. Dear ones, I'll take a couple minutes there. It is very important. There is a book written by someone named Robert Munger. My heart cries home. Every room in your life. I don't mean your house. In your life, in your heart. Christ should have access to every room. If a guest comes to your place or my place to stay there overnight, you will tell him, there is a bedroom for you. There is a bathroom. Then you can come to the kitchen or the living room. But if you won't let him 
walk around in every room in the house. That's a no-no. Sometimes that's the way we treat our Lord. He is Lord. He should have access to every part of our life. He should have access to our finances. He should have access to our family life. He should have access. Sorry to mention that. Even our bedroom. He should have access in every room. But one thing, sometimes he may not comfortable, feel comfortable to come some of those rooms. But we, what should we do? Clean it up. If any part in our life is, is something that the Lord cannot come to, we need to clean it up. We need it. A few months ago, a believer from another church I was talking to, he told me, Thomas, you know, some, you watch the news, it is very scary. I asked him, what it is? In the internal revenue service, IRS, they are, go, they are going to hire 89,000 new agents, 89 or 87,000 IRS agents, auditors. They are going to look at every receipt. I to, asked him, so what? He told me, oh, they can find something. They will always find something that you did wrong. I told her, that's okay, I don't worry about it. But our Lord, He doesn't need to send angels or agents. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, we read when in the letter to the letter of our Lord to His church at Thyatira. In verse 18, we read, The Son of God was ice like flame of fire. He has eyes like flame of fire. Then in verse 23, read with the, with the other words. All the churches will know that. I am he who searches the minds and hearts. He searches our minds and hearts. One who has eyes like the flame of fire. Dear ones, for a Christian, it can be scary, but it should not be. It should be a comforting thought. In Psalm 139, David said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in everlasting way. That should be the prayer of every believer. David wasn't afraid. David is telling, God, turn on the searchlight. I check every room, every part of my life. If you see anything that I need to remove or I need to change, let me know. Lead me in everlasting way. 
Then we read, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, so that you being rooted and grounded in love. I like that. It's so beautiful. Rooted and grounded in love. Like the roots of a tree. Just my time is already up. I close it real soon. Love is to be the soil in which a believer's life should be rooted. Love is to be the foundation on which their life is to be built. The foundation and the soil. Then you will be steadfast and you will be immobile. And then it says, so that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. It says, may be able to comprehend with all the saints an isolated Christian can know a little bit, understand a little bit, but he will never fully understand until he is with other believers like today. It says, <coughs> with all the saints, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. We cannot ignore those four words, dear ones. That is, in those four words, the apostle is giving just four words, the summary of almost everything we have been looking from Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3. What does he mean by breath? That means the Jews and Gentiles, they have been brought together, brought nigh in Christ Jesus. They have been brought nigh. It is so vast. Then what is the length? Eternity to eternity. Chapter 1 and verse 4 we read, Just as he chose us, in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. Dear ones, that's for eternity past and all the way to eternity future. Then what is the height of his love? We can see that in chapter 2 and verse 6. In 2 and 6 we read, And he raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus. That is height. You know, if God just saved me, I would be happy. But our Lord, he wasn't happy. He gave me eternal life and life. I would be happy. But he wasn't happy. He lifted me up, up, up. All the way. All the way to the heavenlies. That is the height 
and what is the depth that we can read in chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you are formerly walked according to the course of this world dear ones we were dead and we were at the bottom of the sea that is the depth he because of his love with which he loved us lifted me up all the way to the heavenlies seated me with him that is the love <coughs> that is the love of Christ from this love nobody can separate us nothing in heaven nothing on earth nothing nothing can separate us and also apostle Paul says in second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14 I believe the love of Christ compels me the love of Christ some say constraineth me and some translations say the love of Christ controls me dear ones all these meanings are correct we should be compelled by the love of Christ nothing else we should be controlled by the love of Christ nothing else And then it says, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. It is not easy to do this. I think it may take all eternity. That you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. The last verse. Growth in the fullness for Christ-likeness. That is the theme, I believe, of this prayer. Our growth in Christ-likeness. I think it is John, I believe it is John MacArthur who says sanctification. That is the theme. God expects us to be growing daily towards that fullness. Keep growing, keep going in Christ likeness. What a great prayer. What a great prayer before we go out for that walk. Deal with the relationships and our spiritual warfare. Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle has given us these great instructions through this prayer. What a great intercession for the believers during his time in every church and for us. May his name be glorified. Our gracious, loving Father, we thank you for thy precious word, which can change us. Father, we pray that the words we read from thy word, it will be with us during the remainder of this week and the remainder of our life. We pray in the precious name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.